Sean. Hey, Radcast is on. Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. Here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Back again for another week with Radcast Outdoors. We're in the great old new Radcast studio getting some episodes churned out for you guys and pretty excited to be back. Uh, Obviously, you either, uh, if this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a a returning listener, we're we're glad you're back and we didn't scare you away the last couple episodes and we'll keep producing more of this. And we want to thank the sponsors that we've got and picked up for uh, helping make this all possible. It's been really a cool journey to have them on board and uh, we're going to be doing a giveaway with some of their sponsors stuff here shortly. So check out our social media for that. But, you know, PK Lures and and I, I, I had not heard of them or not used them before uh, Patrick had introduced me to them. And I'm a, I'm a believer. I have a couple really nice fish caught on <laughs> PK Lures. Those PKs are awesome. So definitely go out and check them out. If you use the uh, promo code RAD when you buy one of their spoon kits, you have to buy one of their spoon kits to get that, but they'll send you a free pack of Wyoming blades. So definitely go support them. That's PKLure.com. And one of our new sponsors is High Mountain Seasonings. And David and I are big users of High Mountain Seasonings. We use it all the time and we've been using it for a lot of years and it's just whether i'm doing wild game anything. my pork whether i just I, I got a couple bottles now next to the uh, stove when oh. we're cooking beef steak which is very rare or if we're cooking <laughs> pork chops which is a little more common or if we're having even just elk elk hamburger oh, yeah. a little bit of their seasonings and they have they have so many options and That's they're such crazy. a good company right here locally so get on their website definitely order you if you've never heard of of high mountain seasonings you know they have some small couple ounce shaker bottles you could uh, or a couple bucks a piece you can try a couple different of their flavors my favorite is the hickory burger like if you're a big fan of hamburgers like i am you just take that hickory burger seasoning and just sprinkle it on your patties before you throw them on the grill oh my gosh those are really good. And the other day I did a good one that you would have liked, David. Um, we did some racks of uh, pork ribs and I took the garlic rub, garlic and black pepper rub that That's they have. That's my favorite one is the oh, garlic and black so pepper. So good. But I bought one of those huge bottles of it because we use it a lot. I put it on there, let it sit overnight and then smoked them and slow cooked them. Oh my gosh. It was delicious. So definitely go check them out. And then Fremont Stoneworks, uh, we're going to have some glasses out there that you guys are going to be able to see on our website. They do a lot of great work. Um, again, Mike and his company, it's a... They um, do signs and glasswork, all, all myriads of sizes. You know, if you want to give somebody a wedding anniversary gift <laughs> or a birthday gift or a new home gift or, you know, just check out their glasses. He's really doing some cool stuff. And their stone signage is really awesome. And you're helping support a veteran-owned company, which I think is awesome. So definitely go check out FremontStoneworks.com. And then last but not least, Bow Spider is also one of our sponsors. So definitely go check out Bow Spider if you're a bow hunter or if you like shooting in those... 3D archery shoots or any of those kind of things that require a bow, you definitely got to have a bow spider because it sure makes your life a lot easier transporting, carrying anything that you need to do with that bow. Definitely go check out bowspider.com. Help support David's business as well. So, uh, you know, talking about businesses and supporting and getting ready, uh, ice fishing. Yes. Good old ice fishing. And it's late ice right now, which is one of the best times to go ice fishing. Why is that? Well, it's this kind of interesting cycle. So, you know, when early ice comes on, 
typically the ice fishing is really good. The fish are really responsive, especially to like jigging spoons and other things like that. Because as, as you feel safe from the predators above the air, they know they really can't get through that ice. Is that part of it? I don't know if that's part of it as much as it is like a jigging spoon is very similar to like a dying emerald shiner. And typically in the fall, the emerald shiners will go and they'll make their run and they start to die off in that early winter phase. And usually your predator fish are pretty keyed in on them anyway. And so if you can imitate those things, like with a PK flutter fish, so, so or they're PK a grizzly spoon. bear on an elk carcass in October. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, okay. kind of like that. Hopefully not on you, right? <laughs> well, I've decided, Patrick, that uh, uh, I, I, I'm okay. I've settled and made my peace. someday. I'll be a grizzly bear turd, and you know what? Oh man, don't don't mourn me. It's going to be a very quick, very violent ending. Yeah, it will definitely be that. So and I hope, I hope somebody's around to, to witness it and at least go, hey, that David guy, man, he, he put up a fight. <laughs> at least for the first half a second, right? Yeah. <laughs> but no, these fish, they're keyed in. I mean, they're very predatory, especially early ice. And then that kind of kicks back in the late ice. And what happens is as the water starts to warm up, kind of midwinter, I'll back up a little bit. Midwinter, it gets a little bit slow. The doldrums of midwinter ice. Yeah, I mean, the water temperature's cooling down. The fish are still catchable, but they go deeper, you know, and so they'll go into the basins and they'll kind of hang out in that deeper water. And that's simply because that's where some of the warmer water is. Now, as the ice starts to melt off and the sun starts to really get going, those fish start to move back in shallow. And that makes them a little bit more susceptible to you and to jigging spoons and different presentations. So, you know, one of the things I definitely want to talk about for late ice is safety. You know, it's just like early ice as far as there's a little bit more risk involved. You know, you're you're dealing with, and this is a little bit more than early ice, but the, the edges get really soft on the lake. Now, out in the middle of the lake, you may have 12, 18, 20 inches of ice, but right there at the edge, you may not have a whole lot. And here in Wyoming, it can be especially dangerous because a lot of our reservoirs, you go just a few feet out onto the ice and you hit a drop off and you could be standing over 20, 50, 80, 100 feet of water, depending on the reservoir. I mean, if you're in Flaming Gorge, probably over 100 feet of water, not very far off the bank. Boysen, not as much, but you definitely have that to factor in. You don't want to fall through the ice. And if you're taking kids, you need to be especially careful because they can fall through the edge of the ice. The other thing that's kind of important too is you'll have pressure ridges that build up all winter long, especially here on Boysen. Like (laughs) that water, you know, you, you get those sheets of ice pushing against each other you get some pretty massive openings out there. So out in the middle, you may have 20 inches of ice and then open water and then 20 inches of ice because this crack is opened up and there's a bunch of water flowing through. So you do have to be especially careful, but the fishing can be just absolutely killer at late ice. I know a lot of people, especially like me, I don't I don't particularly like fishing in the midwinter as much just because it's a lot colder. You know, it's just a little bit more miserable half the time. But as soon as it gets into that late February, early March, those fish are a lot more responsive and they're pretty easy to catch. One of the things I like to do is I like to get, you know, about a half ounce flutter fish, go upsize just a little bit and go target splake, trout, you know, various species because they're fairly aggressive and they're usually fairly shallow. Usually I can go anywhere from eight to 20 feet deep and be jigging those and just absolutely hammer them. Go from about eight to 20 feet, be ripping that spoon up and down. So you lift it, let it kind of flutter down 
as soon as it hits the bottom of, you know, either if you're right on the bottom or the bottom of your line where it starts to suspend again, you just rip it again. You keep working that lure. It's really fun to watch the splake or the browns or whatever you're fishing for come in and crash that lure. And I mean, just late ice is just a phenomenal time, especially if you have kids and it's safe and you can get them out there. You can catch a lot of fish really fast. It kind of reminds me of our last episode, turkeys, right? Yep. Those you can you can put a Jake decoy out with a female hen decoy, and those bigger toms will come in and just smack that decoy, just <laughs> kick it and beat the crap out of it, right? And I like when you get. I I, I guess the easiest way is deception, right? Mm-hmm. I like to deceive the elk into thinking I'm another elk. I like to deceive the turkey. I like to deceive the duck. I like to hunt or fish where, and that's that's all fishing. You're trying to deceive this fish Absolutely. into biting something, and it's and you have to be a little strategic about it right you can't just take a line and a hook and go catch shad on the columbia oh yes you can but (laughs) you know you you got to get a worm and sometimes they're not targeting the worm sometimes they're at 20 feet sometimes they're at eight feet and you you just have to keep this trial and error going and going and going until you find those secret spots that you don't share with anybody and if you're lucky enough to go with someone don't be blabbing (laughs) about what we used and where we were first rule of fishing with patrick is we don't talk about where we fished with patrick no just you know that's what we told our kids but no in all seriousness like one of the things that you really do need to think about is like David saying, the art of deception. You want to imitate whatever they're eating. Um, Another thing that typically works well at late ice is if you can tie on a tungsten jig that's imitating like a fly or a larva that's coming to life, because that's what happens when the ice starts to go off. Guess what? All the bugs start to come out. So especially in trout areas like here, if you have like, I like to check the stomach contents of a trout. Yeah. There's everything in there. It'll tell you a story. And that's one of the things people don't realize is how predatory trout are. Cause I mean, they'll eat just about anything. They eat other fish. They eat, you know, little microscopic plankton. They'll eat it all. But what I like to do in late ice is you get a jig that, and I like to tie these, but like with a gold tungsten head. So it's nice and heavy and it gets down there and just do it with like either a freshwater shrimp pattern or a nymph pattern and get it down there and start to work it up off the bottom or kind of mid water column. Those trout will absolutely hammer that thing. And you better be holding on to your rod. Otherwise, it's going to go down that hole. Well, they just spent all winter not eating much. And now there's a buffet starting to wake up in the lake. Yep. Yellow perch are the same way. They will come shallow. Um, A lot of the fish will also do kind of like a work their way into the inlet of the lake. So I'm not telling you any of my specific spots, but if you can find where the inlets and the outlets are, especially at late ice, you'll typically find where a lot of the fish start to stack up and people are like, well, why is that happen? Well, it's really kind of basic. That water starts to really melt over in that area. So you got to be careful, but that's where a lot of the life starts to happen because there's not such a big thick sheet of ice over it. And so a lot of those, you know, invertebrates and different things that are coming out of the bottom and the muck on the bottom, that's where they start to come up at. And you'll also have minnows working their way up in there. Well, that's reminiscent of duck hunting, right? You don't just go out in the middle of Ocean Lake and put your sure. decoys right out. You, you find a pocket or an edge and mm-hmm. the ducks don't want to be in, in the cover where the predators can get them. They don't want to be out in the lake. They want to be right on the edge. Same thing with elk, especially growing up in Pacific Northwest hunting in timber country. You know, you didn't, you don't find elk in old growth timber, huge, big 10 mile section patches of it, but the elk aren't out in the middle of the clear cut. They're right between the two yep. all the time. Yep. Same thing with, you know, fishing. You find those nooks and crannies and those, like that ice sheet you talk about, there's open water ice. I know those fish like to 
hide under the ice, dive out, get some food in open water, dive back, hide back <laughs> under that ice again. Yep. Or a reed bed or some sort of structure cover. You know, th- think of smallmouth bass. They're going to be around a log, kind of in the log. They're going to shoot out, get something to eat. They're going to go back. Well, and I know we have over a thousand listeners just right here in this area, like the Casper Riverton area. And a lot of them early season, they're looking for walleye. Well, what do the walleyes do (laughs) when the ice starts to go off? Well, I can tell you exactly what they do. They start heading upstream and they start finding those bars and gravel areas so that they can spawn because walleye spawn in March and April. So if you're looking to target those fish, so as an ice fisherman, late ice, what you're going to do is you're going to look around. You're going to, if you know that body of water, you're going to look for the staging area next to the spawning grounds. So if you know where the spawning grounds are, you're going to look for that staging area that's getting close to that. And what you're going to want to use, because these fish are hungry, is something that's going to attract them, something that's going to get their attention. There's one bait that I haven't used yet, but I'm really excited PK just came out with this rattler bait. So it's a lipless crankbait, makes a lot of noise. I bet you that through the ice over in one of those staging areas for the spawn, you know, pre-spawn, I bet you you could whack those walleye pretty good with that. And I'm going to try that this year. But I also know in rivers, right below dams, the walleye also move up in there. So that would be another good bait to throw in that kind of situation, but it's another tool to put in your toolkit. Oh, absolutely. And you know, think, you know, you talked about this on the Turkey episode and a few other episodes, you got to think about what the fish are needing at that time. Most of them are in need of some kind of sustenance and protein. So they're going to be looking for stuff and they're going to be a little bit more on the aggressive side. So you can use bigger jigging spoons. You know, Pat O'Grady taught me this a long time ago. He took me to a body of water that had lake trout in it in the spring, just as the ice went off. And he would cast the three quarter ounce and one ounce flutter fish, which you can throw really far, by the way, (laughs) you know, it's a heavy lure. He would throw them way out there. He would let them sink and he would rip it and let it sink, rip it and let it sink. And next thing you knew, he had a 27, 28, 30 inch lake trout on his line. And those fish are extremely hungry and they see that coming and they're like, man, I'm going to crush that thing. So they come boom, hit your line and just about rip the rod out of your hand. And he caught a number of big rainbows, you know, when we were fishing on that trip, a lot of stuff. So there's a lot of different things that you can do um, at that late ice time. And it just as the ice is coming off to really capitalize on some of the best bites of the season. But I've noticed this dilemma in the hunting fishing industries where 80% of the big game and 80% of the fish are caught by 20% of the fishermen. And I... (laughs) I went with a guy steelhead fishing and we took a guy that never caught a steelhead before. We took him like four weekends in a row and we got on, uh, we were on the South Santa Am. Uh, I will give you that one. Won't tell you exactly where on the river, but we were on the river <laughs> and we were fishing uh, some structure and we were dead drifting just a corky and eggs in the boat. So motor up, turn it off, let the stream push you down and just cast out. And the, all three of us had similar rods, reels, similar weight lines. You know, we all three put the same glow jigs and hooks on. That guy didn't catch one. Once or twice we saw him kind of hook up a little bit and not set the hook in time. And we each put seven steelhead, you know, catch and release in the boat. But I could have talked on the podcast before. You fish 40 hours for a steelhead. So to go in one afternoon and have seven on was a... That's a big deal. It was a big deal. It was awesome. But that was only two of the three guys in the boat. And the, the other guy I was with, John Webbins, he's a, just a, a steelhead nut. He's a 365. That guy's fishing steelhead somewhere. But So if you're out there, John, hey, 
<laughs> you just got a shout out. Uh, but, you know, same thing with elk hunters. You can take an elk hunter that hasn't hunted that area and put somebody that's been hunting that area for year after year, if year and not been successful. And it took me a lot of years to get my first elk with a bow. Mm-hmm. But once you learn the technique of the rod, the, the right retrieval speed on the lure, right? The right saddle to go sit in, the right wind to move, right? Once you figure and start picking up each one of these tools, and some of those lessons are learned the hard way with a blown stock or sure. a lost 40-inch king salmon. Some of those lessons are learned the hard way. So, Well, and you know, it's a lot of fishing is feel. It's instinctual. There are times where I don't know why I set the hook, but I do, and I've got the fish on. I don't really feel them much. I just have a sense that, oh, there's something not right. It's almost like, you know, oh, there's something going on here, and you just instinctually react. And if you don't hone that in, you miss a lot of fish just so, because you're not used to it. Those steelhead, for whatever reason, I don't know why they eat eggs. We've talked about yeah. before. We'll have to, but I can, you know, I've fished a couple. Fall Creek in Oregon is one that we fished some. There's a hatchery on there, and there's a hatchery run. But I can remember drifting that, and you, you use about a half to three-quarter ounce slinky weight, mm-hmm. and then you have a, a leader with just a sure a piece of yarn and a, an egg and a hook, right? And you're just casting upstream and you're letting that bounce, 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 bounce downstream until it gets, you're casting, you know, about a 45 upstream, let it float down until it's about a 45 from you downstream and you cast again and you just want that weight on the bottom and you're just, and I set the hook between those bounces, right? You'll get a a pretty good routine of bounce, bounce, and then you'll have a pause. You're setting that you hook. You better set the hook, yeah. Because that's a fish has just barely mouthed that lure. That line might be sliding through their mouth, and they feel a little bit of that pressure. They're going to turn that head towards the line. They're going to open their mouth, and that hook's going to flow right through. And so I know <laughs> I fished with other guys, and it took me years of just that feel of learning the right technique. Same thing, Alaska king salmon reds you know i love yeah. to I, i've i'm not the i'm not the expert on that but i did live there for a few years and did pick up on a few tips and tricks and can hold my own catching sockeyes but they're fun you'll have somebody do come down there and they're, they're standing in the water just up from you just ripping fish and you know you could just there's a technique there that's learned it's i can't i can give you the same hook i'm using the same weight the same length of leader yep and if if you don't try and get that feel down, that technique, and really, because it, it's it's just a feel thing, right? It took me a day. My first day on the Kenai, I didn't do so hot. And it's a, it's part a of hard it was, technique to learn. Well, it's the technique, and then it's also like looking at the location of where the best flow is, where the fish are going to funnel the best. And yes. so, you know, once I... I was watching people, you know, because that's another important thing about being a fisherman. You really have to watch. Monkey the, see, the, monkey the do. The people that are doing well... Pay attention, you know, especially that they're old, doing something different. That old veteran that takes you pay attention because they know what they're doing. And so I, I watched this guy and he, he went down and I think he was done in, I don't know, 10 minutes with his three fish limit. I mean, it's pretty quick. And so I was watching him the whole time and I was waiting for a spot anyway. And I was like, Hmm, I see what he's doing. And it was kind of like what so you're there'll talking be, there'll about. So there'll be a guy downstream of that. You'll wait yep. for your spot in line and I have my spots that I like, but yep. I could fish. 30 yards up or down the bank in any one of those spots, right? And my point is, is you'll be sitting there waiting for a spot. Maybe my premium spot doesn't open because somebody else is standing in it. But I can, you know, in in a short order, about the time I can hook, set, you know, release, get back in the water, hook another. You can get your three fish in 10, 15 minutes if the fish are there. Easy. Yeah. Well, somebody, you know, I've been waiting for 45 minutes or an hour to get the spot. 
And whoever's in that spot is just out there frothing the water, not catching, not catching, not catching. And you'll watch two or three veterans or locals will catch their fish and leave while that same person is still in the premium spot. That was me the first day standing there. not (laughs) Like I was trying to figure out the cadence of it and the feel of it. Once I knew what that feel was of, ooh, there's something there, then you're you're on. And the same thing applies with ice fishing. So I want to tell this a little bit too, because when you're jigging a jigging spoon, it's really important as you lift that spoon up and you start to let it go back down to watch your line because exactly what you talked about will happen. If you lift like, for instance, a flutterfish, it's a slow falling lure. So you lift it up and you start to let it free fall. It's going to kind of tumble down because it's a peanut shape, you know, and it'll just kind of flip down on its side. If you see your line stop on the way down, you better set the hook because especially Sauger, I've noticed this year, (laughs) Sauger will hit it on the drop. On the drop. And if you don't pay attention... They miss that fish because they'll inhale it and spit it out because they're like, ooh, that doesn't feel right. So one of the things I I was teaching these kids, I took some kids fishing. This is the first time they'd ever been ice fishing. And this one young lady, she she goes, man, I'm trying to drop my line down. It won't go down. I said, set the hook, you know, and she had a, it was like a half ounce red dot glow uh, flutterfish. And so she ripped up on it. She ended up catching like a 19 inch rainbow trout, which gave her quite the tussle. But that's what had happened is you lift it up and you start to let it fall. And the fish sees that on the fall, kind of like a dying minnow and they run over and they grab it. And if you don't react within the first second or two of them grabbing it, or sometimes it's even less, forget it. They're gone. And you might get lucky. Sometimes they'll come back and they'll whack it again. Splake love to do that. If you have a splake, they'll just you. got power bait and rainbow. They'll sit there and peck and peck and peck. (laughs) In Alaska, you got row. (laughs) They'll peck and peck and peck. But those steelhead in the Pacific Northwest, you get a moment and and they're gone. Crappie are like that. So crappie are probably the, I don't know, they're the bane of my existence. I'm not very good at crappie. Just because they'll suck it in and you don't feel it. Like a lot of times you'll be shaking it in front of them as opposed to ripping it up and down. So you'll be shaking it. And if you don't feel them inhale it, they've exhaled they'll it exhale it and they swim off say. and they're done. So, so you got to pay attention. How many more fish are you going to catch, Patrick, until you're done? Until I'm done what, living? No, fishing. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll probably fish until I can't fish anymore. I mean, I I just love catching fish. It's so much fun. Just the figuring out how different species react, figuring out how different species will, you know, evaluate your lures and how the different species fight, you know, and and just figuring them out seasonally and what they do and what they don't do. Well, just look at the the salmon species, right? You got kokanee, you Mm -hmm. got really steelhead as a sea run trout but it's sure it's closer to a salmon family yeah so kokanee steelhead you got chum chinook yeah. sockeye and you got cohos cohos yeah it's so much fun you got pinks and they're all a little bit different susceptible to different things at yep. different times and late ice i'll encourage you all with this late ice is a good time to put fish on the ice so i mean most species are pretty hungry at late ice so that's one benefit you're going to have it's right before everything starts hatching out get your get your family out there it's not that difficult you don't need an elaborate system you just have to have a few good lures a few decent rods and an auger so that you can go you know, do what you got to do. One thing about getting on the ice, late ice, you might want to take some planks with you, some sturdy wood planks that you can actually walk on. Because like I grew up fishing Glendo, um, a number of different bodies of water where the edge ice was never good anyway. And so one of the things you can do to get out on the ice, like say you've got a foot of water 
you know, between on you the and little that. tapered thin quarter inch sheet of ice, but it's yep. going to get four thicker. or five yep. feet out there thicker and thicker and thicker. You know, take a, a two by 12 or whatever you have for a plank, you know, and it kind of well, lay down all there seen, and go you out. You know, a gallon milk jug thawing, you get mm-hmm. a bead of water all the way around and the core is still solid. Still hard as a rock. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, do be careful. I'm not going to tell you to go do anything crazy, but do be careful, but also don't be afraid of just a little bit of melting on the edge. Check the ice conditions, talk to locals, see what it's like before you drive, you know, three Take or four hours. Take a spud bar. Take a bar. Yep. Take, definitely take your auger, take your plank, make sure that you've got what you need. But late ice can be some of the most productive fishing that you do all season. And it's a really good lead into anyway, to the spawn and you know, everything that comes after that. And if you're going on a trip somewhere and you want to go hit the lake, I'll tell you, my favorite thing to do is to fish lakes, especially the high mountain lakes. The The first week they've opened and cleared up. It's amazing. Because you hit that first mosquito hatch when we go from 40 to, you know, 60 degrees and that's with a fly rod and a little mosquito after another <laughs> I, uh, i'm telling you 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 know after after 70 80 90 fingerlings you kind of go okay i'm i'm ready for a bigger fish <laughs> but yeah. until you get to that 70 80 90 fish in an hour or two it's just that's i could i could almost cut the barb completely off the hook cut the shank off and just leave the fly and just just hit you know, those little trout, just feel them hit it a couple. Because you get to watch them. They, oh, and yeah. some of those fingers. They're aggressive. They'll jump all the way out of the water to hit that yep. little. Here's another tidbit. You find a big river and you've got some big trout in there. This time of year, it's about the best time to go catch them. You know, if you want to throw crankbaits even or spoons or whatever, you can catch just about anything this time of year. So I highly recommend you go hit the rivers. Definitely go hit the late ice. But again, be really cognizant of the of the safety aspect. Don't do anything crazy. Would you recommend life jackets or just... You know, it wouldn't hurt, especially for kids. You know, um, life jackets aren't that big of a deal. It's probably going to be 40, 50 degrees out anyway, so you can throw it on a, you know, over their hoodie or whatever they're wearing. We hear um, about ice fishermen all the time going in the ice. So. M- make sure you definitely have some way to pull yourself out. They make safety equipment, you know, those little... Uh, Handles with the spikes on the end that you can use to help pull yourself out. Definitely so, take that. A, a chunk of two by two wood, cut a nail off. Yep. Insert it into the two by two, drill a hole through the two by two, and put a piece of paracord through it and put it around your neck. Yep. That will give you, and a lot of people, I watched a self recovery video. You know, a lot of people want to try and climb up and out the same day they fell in. What you need to start doing is think of it as swimming you're going to swim out you're going to float float and try and swim and kick out you want to look like a plank on top of the water get your body to float up and then just kind of pull yourself horizontally over the ice as opposed to trying to yank yourself up vertically if you can if somebody else goes in don't rush over there and try and pull them out (laughs) yeah you don't need to help them you don't need two people in the water that's that's one of the things too um is definitely take a good chunk of rope with you 40, 50 feet of rope, just in case, because you never know. Make sure you have that. But the biggest thing on anything with ice fishing related is you don't want to have a big regret. You don't want to lose a kid or lose anybody. So make sure you have all your safety gear. There's lots of great websites out there, and Fisherman has a bunch of stuff on it. Well, even angling. the Kenai, we're going to try and go do our, our yep. trip again. Thank you, COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there's that river, that Kenai River is... It'll kill you. It's glacial-fed. And it doesn't, it's so big, it doesn't look like it's hardly moving, right? It's powerful. It's moving. You cannot swim that river. 
Yeah, you'll freeze to death before you do. So you got the macho guys that I ain't wearing a life jacket, right? Or I'm not going to, you know, well, there's a lot of different guys out there that think they're invincible, but that water is super cold. And it's powerful enough. If you have your waders on, it'll drown you. I, I've fallen in once or twice up there. I mean, not falling out of the boat, not falling through the ice, just on the bank, tripped on a rock and fell in and got, got deep enough that it was was not fun. No, it's it, not fun. And that's in July and August when it's supposedly warm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those are just some tips for late ice. If you're fishing, you know, Boyson, Seminole, Glendo, Keyhole, any of these local areas, I mean... There can be some phenomenal late ice fishing. So I hope you guys get out there, take a kid, take somebody that's never fished before, make sure it's safe, have some fun, catch some fish, get some photos. Definitely share them on our, you know, Radcast Outdoors Facebook page. We'd love to see them. Um, it's a lot of fun to watch people get out there and, and do see what, what you enjoy. guys are doing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. I got a funny story for you, Patrick. Well, you know, when I was a young guy, we, we went on a few Alaska trips and there was an old guy that went on one of the trips, one of my dad's fishing buddies. And he was out there. We were in. Uh, we were down out of Ketchikan, and we were waiting for our float plane to fly across over Prince of Wales. But there's some bodies of water there in Ketchikan, and this guy had just got Gore-Tex waders, right? And this was back in the late '90s. These are little fancier, newer waders. He didn't want to poke holes in them, so he brought a pair of bib overalls to wear over his Gore-Tex waders, right? Just yep. to keep. And so. These three tourists pull up and see this guy standing about, you know, thigh deep in this lake fishing. And he's catching a few, I think he was catching pinks, but sure. he's catching a few fish. And <laughs> it was a pretty muddy, shallow body of water. So you had to wait out there to get out to the fish. You see these three guys pull over and look at him and he's out there catching fish. And you can see he's in these blue jean overalls. <laughs> so they get their gear on and they in their tennis shoes they all walk out next to him Oof. and they were there about three minutes and look at each other look at him look at each other and then walk back out of the oh, water man. and Ooh. they had to ask him later how'd you tolerate it he goes i got waiters on boys <laughs> <laughs> i was fishing the kenai river it was my second day there and i was down at the water S- similar kind of deal this guy comes down he's got shorts and flip-flops and a fishing pole and i looked at this kid and i'm like <laughs> You have no clue. I, I've got neoprene waders on and my feet are going numb from the cold. And I'm just looking at this guy like, yeah, okay, you're going to really last very long. He got in the water and was out in no time because that water is so cold. It's it's coming off of a glacier, Oh, Patrick. man, it's brutal. It's, it's basically liquid ice. Yeah, it feels like it too. It'll make your feet tingle. I'll give you, I'll tell you that much. Even with neoprene waders on, it'll make your feet cold. Well, uh, are we... Uh, are we going to get out and do some ice fishing shortly? Yep. It sounds like Hunter wants to go. I know my kids want to go, so we'll go out and we'll, we'll at least hit Boyce and maybe a few other places, but we'll definitely get that late ice bite going and, you know, we'll definitely be ripping the PKs because I'll tell you, this is, this is prime time for those babies. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, while I got the rest of the listeners here before they run away, uh, we are doing a giveaway, Patrick. That's absolutely right. And that's going to be epic. So what, what do they need to do to, uh, to follow along on that? So what you guys want to do is go to our social, find the, the, the sweepstakes that we've got the, and share it out far and wide for this giveaway. The more times you share it out, 
the more times that you're entered to win. Um, we've got some great stuff, not only our own swag, but from our sponsors. So you're definitely going to want to check that out and get involved and we'll ship it to wherever you're at. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for it. Um, and thanks to our sponsors for just being so gracious and, and being participants with us in this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. Get on there, check it out. And after you get that shared, Download a new episode on the way to your favorite Absolutely. fishing spot and go get some ice fishing done. If you're a hardcore fisherman, we've got some great episodes that we've recorded previously that you better go back and listen to. So if you haven't listened to Al Linder, Larry Dahlberg, Pete Mina, any of those guys, you better go back and listen because there's some really good stuff in there. Until next time. Until next time, definitely go to radcastoutdoors.com and uh, definitely be uh, checking us out on the socials and we'll have more great content coming again soon. All right, it is time for the High Mountain Recipe of the Week, brought to you proudly by High Mountain Seasonings, a Riverton, Wyoming company. High Mountain Seasonings has been around for 30 years and is doing a great job of making sure that all the hunters and people who are processing their own meat have everything they need to do the job right. High Mountain Seasonings offers a lot of different options for you. They offer fish brines, jerky kits, sausage making kits, and much, much more. You can find all of their great products at highmountainjerky.com or h-i-m-t-n-jerky.com. Again, h-i-m-t-n-jerky.com. So now, here is our recipe of the week. All right, we just got done talking about late season ice fishing. So let's say that you're out there and you catch one of those monster rainbow trout or a big brookie or a splake or a lake trout and you want to take it home and eat it. I have a recipe for you that I think you're really going to enjoy. And it's really simple. All you got to do is fillet your fish. So get all the bones out, get the ribs out, get all those things out of there that you don't want to have get stuck in your throat. Take that nice fillet that you've got, go to High Mountain Seasonings um, website. You can pick up their gourmet fish seasoning. You sprinkle that on the filet and you don't have to do it very thick, just a little bit over the top and then take it, put it in the oven for about 15 to 20 minutes until it's flaky and it's about 350 degrees and you'll have some amazing baked trout. It's delicious. It's healthy and it's high in omega-3. So I definitely recommend that you go out and do that. So definitely go check out that gourmet fish seasoning. It's some of the best stuff out on the market and it will make your trout delicious. So thanks again to High Mountain Seasoning for sponsoring this recipe of the week. 